Hello, and welcome to Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony... What? Welcome back to Flicks in a Six. Well, we'll get there. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo. With me, forever and always, the man, the myth, the fourth billboard, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. I sometimes feel as broad as a billboard. <laughs> well, we're back after another short hiatus with lots to discuss. Um... We had some technical difficulties that soured things for a little bit there. Uh, computer is still not 100%. There's an X over the battery. I can go at any time. <laughs> Wait, is it not plugged in? No, it's plugged in. The, there's just, the computer doesn't recognize its battery anymore. So It doesn't recognize any authority. I like it. So if the wire was to accidentally come out of the computer, it'll shut down immediately. Well, let's try not to jostle it. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do our best. Uh, lots to discuss. New anticipation, May, the entire month of May. <laughs> We're going to be talking about that. Some Zack Snyder rumors, DC villain, DC film villains ranked, and uh, the Oscar season is upon us. So our flick for this week is going to be three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. There's also going to be some general catching up because There's me and Anthony have not seen each other in very nearly two months now. It's been uh, a we've, while. We've scarcely talked to each other really in the last two months. This is true. So, uh, without further ado, Al, what are we drinking? Because I'm thirsty. Uh, we are drinking Jack's Abbey Craft Lagers, Mass Rising, Double India Pale Lager. I just poured that really dangerously over the computer. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> so, you remember that really, really, like, flimsy computer you have? Yeah. Let's not fuck with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't rock the boat, as it were. I see what you did there. <laughs> Because on account of the boat on the beer can here. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I've drank a couple of Jack's Abbeys. Did we do one for an episode? Of, I don't even fucking remember. I feel like we did. I think we did the other one, right? To, to be fair, this is episode 33. We've been, we're back. <laughs> this has been, like I said, a two-month hiatus. So. Yeah, yeah things, things have happened. There's been some holiday. There's been some laziness. There's been some death of computer. Yep. Um, but a whole, uh, whole three yeah, hours so of me trying to. We'll fix probably it. do more of those in the future from this brewery because there's a whole bunch of different ones in my uh, the local beer shop. Nice. So I'm if we keep liking them, I'm going to keep buying them, and we're going to keep doing them. That is how purchasing beer works. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this! It says one pint of lager on it. Nice. Oh, it comes in pints. Yeah, a uh, pretty basic can, but I also kind of like it. No, can art's your thing. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's okay. It's not. It's not the best can art we've seen. But I no. like. I like my little. No, boat. but like for whatever reason, <laughs> just like really, it's like efficient and effective for me. Like because yeah. it's like pretty basic, but I also like what's going on. Also, the silhouettes in the background look like Game of Thrones um, logos there. Yeah, even though they're like yeah, like their sigil is like hops, like yeah, whole <laughs> hops. That's really like, great. <laughs> let's take a sip of this and yeah, talk about this more. Do it. Cheers. Cheers. So, it would appear that we'll be continuing to buy some of these. <laughs> uh, I like that. Yeah, it's good. I like that a lot. I've also, full disclosure, been on a been on a bit of a diet. Haven't had beer in a while, <laughs> so this is really good. <laughs> I've also been on a bit of a diet, and also I'm not drinking much beer. Though you will hear me throughout the rest of this probably snacking and or making other <laughs> odd noises. Uh, 
I'm just going to warn you, this 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 is a thing that causes you to lose listeners. I'll tell you from experience. When we did the shit show, Chris used to eat tacos. <laughs> I don't know how, but he always seemed to have tacos on hand when we were doing an episode. And it was disgusting. To the point where the three other people on the call were repulsed by him. <laughs> but repulsed how? Well, repulsed why? Like, what was he doing that was so repulsive? It's just the sound of eating over a microphone. Oh, yeah, no, see, I won't do that. Okay. Uh, you may hear a crunch or two. It's just me eating some mixed nuts. There's some cashews and peanuts over here. <laughs> Flicks in a six. with a. Well, it's a bar snack. <laughs> I like it. It fits yes, the Yes, uh, you also may occasionally hear this. Uh, if we were doing this live and had one of those, like, the first person to hear the sound, like, call in, you, this would be the sound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that's just me with my shaker bottle. So I'm gonna be just, really. You guys aren't weirded out. You guys are ready to go. It's just some protein. I'm gonna be so very alarmed if somebody calls in when you shake that on <laughs> account of this being a recording. Who is listening to this live? Get out of my house. Yeah right. Oh my god. Yo, Kim, I'm, Kim I'm just calls from upstairs. Can you guys stop? Can you just? Can you be done for the night? <laughs> you you saw my dog sitting on the couch before. I turned so you could see him. Um, he sometimes sneaks down here and I don't realize it, or like I thought he was down here and I thought he followed me up and then he didn't. And like I have all the lights on here now, so it's not a big deal. But I've been down here like at night with all the lights turned off, and I thought he went upstairs or mm-hmm. thought he hadn't come down. And I sat down in this chair in front of the couch, and then all of a sudden I felt something <laughs> on my arm, and I almost had what the hell is this? Because <laughs> I was like, who is attempting to murder me right now? And I turned in panic and saw my dog hovering over me from behind he was laying on the couch silent in the dark and he started reaching over and pawing me because he wanted attention <laughs> i had no idea he was behind me and i freaked the fuck out <laughs> oh good god <laughs> basically so uh, uh i i fidget a lot while i'm while i'm recording and oh, this is also while i'm on while i'm on calls at work and everything so like i'm constantly flipping a pen and I just dropped the pen on the wire of my computer. God so I'm going to go ahead and move the pen to the other side of the desk and not pick it up again. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So. Wait, let's talk about this beer some more, though. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm digging the flavor. It's uh, used to um, the whole idea of the India Pale Lager. Because... It's so crisp and clean, like the actual lager part. Although, this is an unpasteurized lager, which that like, is like counter-opposite to like what a lager is supposed to be. A lager is always supposed to be crystal clear. Is counter-opposite mean it is what it is? <laughs> what? Does counter-opposite mean that it is what it is? <laughs> no, I said polar opposite, but I was chewing on some bar. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I took way too big of a bite of, of that snack and realized, oh, I can't actually chew and, and swallow this like a normal human being before I have to talk again. <laughs> I was um, like, that's an extravagant double negative. <laughs> yeah. No, polar opposite was, I always tell people, like, if, if you have a lager and it's not crystal clear, don't drink it. Mm. And here I am not following my own um, advice because it says unpasteurized, but I, unfiltered and unpasteurized. I've never heard of that in a lager before. Interesting. But the thing I'm finding interesting about this style, which I don't know if they've actually, I don't know if the style guides have officially recognized the India Pale Lager game. 
We've lost him. I thought it was just going to be a small pause. But Al appears to be gone. Sad to see him go. Sad to see him go. I'm going to go ahead and just uh, try and call him again. And uh, let's let's uh, let's see what happens. Shall we? Shall we? Oh, a little, little Skype action for you there. Do, 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 do. Uh, nothing. You just you were talking about your beer and you just you just disappeared. I kept the listeners apprised of the situation, <laughs> and I'm not going to edit it out because <laughs> it actually ended up being kind of funny in my opinion. And uh, I sang along to the Skype tune as it called you. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to uh, listen to this episode and see what I miss. Anyway, I'm sitting here like I'm I'm, I'm talking. And the last thing I heard you say was, and we lost him. And I was like, no, you didn't. I, I see you. I, huh. you. We're still on the call. You, you were completely frozen. And, yeah, uh, and no sound. You said we lost him, then you froze as well. Very <laughs> But the countdown clock was still going on like the, uh, the, the call. I wonder if your voice came through on the recording, because that would blow my mind. <laughs> well, anyway, well, you're not supposed to drink unfiltered lagers. You're not supposed to drink unfiltered lagers. Go on. <laughs> oh, sorry. No. Uh, what I was saying is um, what I find curious about this style, because like the style guides were... Did you get any of that part of it? I was talking you, about the you were, style you were guides starting to get the, into that, and then you just cut out. Style guides typically hadn't recognized this style of beer, the India Pale Lager, mm-hmm. because it's like a bastardization of IPAs and a lager. Okay. And because of the nature of the lager, the way the yeast cleans up everything... There's no strong variation the way that ales do. There could be a lot of free radical flavors to it and stuff like that because of how that yeast um, ferments the sugars in, in, the, in the, the beer. This allows the hop flavor itself to like jump out as opposed to an IPA, which would have its malt kind of balance it out more. Interesting. So I, I find this style interesting. Like, it's like... Very bold. Oh, now, I mean, admittedly, this has 100 IBU, so the hoppage of this is pretty high anyway. Right. I've had ones that are not that strong that still have it really seem to jump out more than an IPA. It's almost almost obnoxious if you're not expecting it. Right. Well, here's a, a question for you, for you, beer man. This tastes really good. I like it. Not a fan of the smell. Um, what in particular about the smell? I don't know. Um, on account of it, partially smells like ass. Like what? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that smell is. <laughs> Funny because I am not detecting any ass. <laughs> notes, <laughs> notes of ass. <laughs> subtle, subtle notes of ass. It's always gonna be subtle notes. <laughs> uh, let's not spit the ass beer out on the computer. Good grief. I just uh, smell hops, man. I don't. I don't know. No, it's it's I, I, it's really tasty. I like it. I'm still not to the point where I can identify the hops just by the smell or taste. You know, occasionally I can pick out one or two of them, but um. Yeah. My salty beer nuts are not allowing me to do that. <laughs> salty beer nuts. Uh, bar snacks needs to be a a reoccurring theme, I think, on this show. Flicks and six and snacks. Flicks and yeah, that could be like a second thing that we do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like it'll just be a, a different podcast. Oh, when we're doing like our let's do some commentaries on movies. 
like over like voiceover tracks and the that'll be titled end snacks <laughs> Not, <laughs> and that'll be the relation right there and it is born from this episode <laughs> wonderful anyway uh more of jack savvy interested interested to have more of these this is uh yeah. this is quite nice um, i'll take a look at your next run we still have probably what like you probably saw four beers left that we that i gave you that we haven't done yet three or four yeah I'm not sure if it's four. I think it's three. I have to check. They're all they're all in the garage, staying cool. Um, but moving moving on. Since we've last spoke, the uh, the anticipation game is strong. Star Wars news. There's lots of Star Wars news. <laughs> yeah, like you seemed upset by the amount of Star Wars news. There um, was. I you know what it is. I'm just concerned because that thing came out about like Disney. Is expecting it to bomb, and I'm reading articles by, you know, uh, an interview with Ron Howard, which is just like, he sounds like the greatest guy <laughs> in this interview. Like he's super, he's super cool about like taking over and how like he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want fans. He knows they're going to, but he doesn't want them to like look for like the scenes of like where the other two left off and he picks up and things like that. He wants people to just enjoy the story. And it's just really, it was a really uh, nice, um, nice way of going about it, and uh, but it just, it just concerns me because. Uh, but here's the thing, they, they got rid of the other two directors sooner rather than later, which is not what they which did. Is right, which is not what happened with Justice League. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, because you know, this, <laughs> the Disney side of the house doesn't make those shitty mistakes. <laughs> That's correct. Um, hopefully. This isn't isn't one. Uh, you expressed concern to me, like in the one time that we've talked over the past couple of uh, couple of weeks, that you barely see Han in the trailer for Solo. So backing up for a second, we got a teaser, and then we got a trailer twenty four well, hours apart. When I said it to you, when I said it to you, it was the teaser. You see the back of his head, and kind of hear him voicing it over a couple times. And you see his face like in shadow once, but you never actually see him right. on screen acting during the teaser. I was like, "That's fucking weird." Right. I didn't know we were getting a trailer the next day. It, well, it's even so though. That's weird, especially when you tie it in with the notes. I, I guess what I get what they're trying to do with the teaser. Obviously, they're teasing Solo, right? Like using the silhouette of him, which is really cool. I like that. I didn't mind them doing it to start, but by the time it was over, him never being physically in front of the screen yeah. talking. That was concerning. I don't mind it as a device to start the teaser. You know what's funny though? It wouldn't concern me as much if I didn't hear those rumors of like the acting coaches being needed and like things like that and like oh, of course. you know, which is really it, it, a little upsetting because Han Solo was just such a great character that if if they screw something up with him, it's just it's just tainted for that character for all of the films. I feel like could be you know, but uh. Then we get the trailer, which is just basically a little bit longer and some more info. I'm, I I don't know how to feel about this. I'm I really really want it to be good, obviously, because it's a Star Wars movie, and I love the concept of a of a movie solely around Solo. <laughs> uh, it was not intentional, but I liked it. <laughs> um, but. And I like Donald Glover, so I'm in, I'm really interested to seeing him play see him playing Lando, but I I just it's fun. The, the news around the movie has made me hesitant, justifiably so. And I don't like feeling that way. 
<laughs> not about a Star well, Wars thing. The funny thing is, you rarely hear about those sorts of troubles in making a movie until after the movie comes out. Mm-hmm. And when you consider that Star Wars, since Disney's acquired it, has mostly been very locked up until it's been released, it's weird to hear that much. It is. It's very strange. And I, I don't know what to make of it. But I so the anticipation is rising, but the concern is right there with it. <laughs> yes. And that that kind of rolls into my next thing, which is May. <laughs> which May is insane this year. May is always a good okay. month for movies. May is solo. It's Deadpool. It's Avengers. Yeah. Every week, your yeah. mind gets blown. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm so excited. <laughs> we may have to move up our whole thing, like where we try and meet once a month, to like once a week during that. <laughs> right. Just like, oh my god, it's gonna be crazy. Uh, those are gonna, those are gonna I'm be gonna, some. I'm gonna still live with you for the month of May. So right. Right. <laughs> Just go, just just talking about these movies all month long. It's gonna be insane. And like I, here's the, I know like I'm just I anticipate like you know Avengers is gonna be great. It's I I love what they're doing with the Marvel franchise. Like they haven't screwed it up yet, and it's actually pretty crazy that they haven't had a, a misstep yet. Um, we'll I'm hoping that I'm from what I'm hearing. I'm really I I was already excited for Black Panther, um, from the first teaser that we saw. To what I'm hearing about it, I'm still very excited. So that's cool, and that's coming out this week. Well, it's literally almost unanimous across the board that this movie is excellent. Right, which is like that is like it's not even. I'm not surprised. It's I guess because like it, I am and I'm not because I'm 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 not surprised because yeah they haven't they had they haven't screwed this up yet. So why would they screw it up now? And also, how have they not screwed this up yet? Like, like, there's so many movies. <laughs> Like, what's the last misstep? Thor 2? That's fair. Yeah. But, and that's, what, five years ago? But even so, not so bad. Like, not not a, not a terrible yeah. misstep. It's, it's not good. It's not... It, it's not great. <laughs> it's not good. Yeah. I, I, you're right. But I guess, the, yeah, that, that's the, the last... Is, if it was a DC property, it would be amongst their best. Oh, <laughs> that's sad. <laughs> I can go to the bank with that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's true. But like, I like I. So growing up, you know, my my birthday's in May. So I've always there's like always a movie that I go see around my birthday, and it's always been like it, it's consistent throughout my entire life that there's a blockbuster coming out that I, I'm you know going to with my friends, and it's gonna be amazing. Like I vividly remember it being like the Mummy and the Mummy Returns <laughs> years ago, but. Uh, this May, I feel like this is my 30th birthday celebration. <laughs> you, get a, you get a Star Wars. I get a Star Wars. I get a Star Wars. <laughs> Solo. <see> a Star Wars. <laughs> Here's $10. Go see a Star Wars. Um, get a Star Wars, hey, get an see, Avengers. You see some developments around the corner, man. Oh my god. It's gonna, uh, this is great. This this year for film and TV is gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Um, 
so lots lots to come in May, and I'm I'm really excited about it. But so on this on the same topic, uh, other other piece the 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 mid release in May, which is Deadpool. Have you been following just all of the amazing teasers and just at, like advertisements around this movie for Deadpool? I didn't see all of them, but I have seen some of them. I saw the one the one that really got me was was him being fake Bob Ross. Oh my god. How good I, was that? I fucking cracked up. I watched it like three times. S- same. I mean, it's just I'm just laughing over and over again. And then they they drop that other one where like the trailer starts off and it's like super serious, and then they cut and he's got a the green on his arm because they didn't finish the special effects, the fourth yep. world breaking within the trailer, which is just amazing. And then he's using action figures <laughs> to depict the story, which is hysterical. Yeah, that was the trailer that came up. With the, along with the Super Bowl where last week. Yeah. So like like this this whole thing, like it's this is Deadpool, right? The the whole breaking the fourth wall, like and just it's not taking itself too seriously and just always being self aware and hysterical. And doing that not in the that, trailer. What? I was say I don't know if you've noticed because they've been really quiet about it, like or subtle about it. Every time a new one of those comes out if you read the synopsis that comes along with it, or if you periodically check the IMDb synopsises, it changes every time. Really? And one is more ridiculous than the last. Oh my god, that is so great. Right? I have to check those out. I have not checked those out. I will say, I don't know if you follow Ryan Reynolds on social media, but when he... I see some of his stuff occasionally. The He's stuff fine. that he posts is just, especially around this movie, is just so good. Like, there's one where it's 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 Deadpool doing a portrait of Cable, but the picture that he's, pa- he's painting is Josh Brolin from The Goonies. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's so good. And, like, like just, just something like that, because it just takes it a step further, because it's not just the trailer being goofy. It's the actor playing the part still like it's like it's almost this twisted method acting in a kind of way it's and it's awesome yes it's it like fourth wall breaking in real life right so like you can either watch a daniel day lewis movie and want to kill yourself or you can watch this <laughs> <laughs> like or all these trailers that are going on it's so good or you can watch you can watch a deadpool movie and want to kill everyone else right <laughs> right that you know it just every time i see a trailer or one of these little clips or an image from the movie it's just like i got i just like want to go watch the first one again because that movie was great the funny thing is, I didn't love it the first time I saw it. Like, really? I, I, I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I enjoyed it. It was a good movie. I just didn't enjoy it to the level it seemed everyone else did. Oh. But it's grown on me on repeat viewings. Right. I don't know why. Like, It felt a little bit too put on. You know what I mean? Like, I get that the part of it is... It's fourth wall breaking, like it's wink, wink, nod, nod. We're playing along with the joke, you know what I mean? Yeah. It just felt like it was too much that not not that it was too much that, but like that you knew they were trying, you know what I mean? It didn't feel effortless. That, but I, I guess that's kind of fair, but it, uh, it's also what I expected from this, which is, and it's also what I wanted. So I think that's probably why I it, like resonates more. Maybe. But the thing is, I my appreciation for it has grown upon repeat viewings. Sure. Um, but no, I mean, I genuinely enjoyed it. Uh, I am genuinely looking forward to seeing the new one. Yeah. Also, oh. if you check out on IMDb and look for it right now, uh-huh. like it, it's titled Unnamed Deadpool Sequel. If they don't make that the official title of the movie, I'm going to be upset. 
Oh my god, it is. That's great. <laughs> Read the synopsis right now. What does it say? Hang on, I'm getting there. It's changed a couple times. Uh, see full summary. Let's see what we got. After surviving a near-fatal bovine tag, disfigured cafeteria chef Wade Wilson struggles to fulfill his dream of becoming Mayberry's hottest bartender, while also learning to cope with his lost sense of taste, searching to regain his spice for life, as well as a flux capacitor. <laughs> Wade must battle ninjas, the Yakuza, and a pack of sexually aggressive games. It says the journey around the world to discover the importance of family, friendship, and flavor, finding a new taste for adventure, and earning the coveted coffee mug title of World's Best Lover. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. There I had no idea this was going on. There was one a few months ago. Like It doesn't look like they're shaving now. I'm sure if you look online, someone's been like chronicling in them. But there was one about like how he was like, on a quest to find himself in the city of Poughkeepsie, which is like 20 minutes from where I live. It's like a tiny city in New York, like an hour north of the city. This and is so great. It's like his quest to Poughkeepsie to like become like the, the best like knitting champion or something like that. <laughs> that is amazing. I, I want to know. I'm so curious. Oh, do you, can you just is IMDB is public, I guess. Can you edit? How does IMDb work? Like, how is this happening? Someone I, I is involved think, in this. I don't know for sure, but I think it works similar to Wikipedia, where, like, anyone technically can, like, if they have an account, can access it and edit it, but if stuff's wrong, they'll correct it. That's pretty great. Oh, my God. That is so exciting. I'm going to have to check in on this every day. And if, like, you're right. The, the name of this movie needs to be Untitled Deadpool Sequel. Like, that that would be the most on-brand thing they could do. Um, based on the way that it's it's done through IMDb, I, I do think that that's the title. Like, it's not, it's not like, I don't know, if, if you've seen other things on IMDb, it's got, like, um, like Deadpool sequel, and, like, in parentheses, it'll say Untitled or something like that. This, that's not what this is. It is actually within the header of the page. Like it's, it is untitled. It, I'm pretty sure that's what they're going with, <laughs> or at least. No, for I now. know that's what it says there. But the thing is, like, if you look up, if you just search online, um, it, it's always listed as Deadpool too. Right. Like, if you look it on Google right now, anything tied to it is Deadpool tool. Even the Wikipedia page, like everything. So it's good. Deadpool 2. Although in the Wikipedia blurb it says the untitled Deadpool sequel, also known as Deadpool 2. That is so awesome. I hope they release it like that. That'll be so good. <laughs> I'm gonna be upset if they don't. Like it's gonna be missing an opportunity. Oh my god, so good. Ugh, I can't wait. Um stepping forward into this other topic that I have here. So I actually started this new thing. So I don't know where you I know you you have your sources for like where you read up on your new your movie news and things like that. I use a I use Flipboard a lot and I like curate the the sources that, that I like. like. Is, that, is that a Google app? Flip Flipboard? No. It's just a it's just been it's around for a while. Right? It's what? It's an app. I know I I think I have like that app on my phone. Yeah. Yeah. You can it's there's a mobile app and a, a web component. But you basically, you know, you you pick your interests, and I've like I've curated down to the list of like movie sources that I like to read about and things like that. I didn't realize that I could make my own magazines. So what I'm starting to do is, as I find stories that I want to chat about here, I'm adding them to a magazine, and I'm going to figure out how to make that magazine public 
so that we can share it so that people can go back and read the articles that we're referencing. It's a good idea. Which I think will be fun. Um, so the next story that I have marked down here is Zack Snyder may have been fired because his rough cut of Justice League was unwatchable, <laughs> which I saw this on multiple, <laughs> multiple sources that he was... So the, the whole... Back when it happened, like when he left, it was... It, it was a tragic story about like his daughter had committed suicide, which is horrible. But it seems very strange that this is coming out like that. Actually, he was fired, and they were using that as a, a reason for him to step away. I mean, I can understand getting to that point, but on the other hand, I feel like it's the right call. Like, because otherwise, it's director grieving over. Daughter who commits suicide, comma, fired from DC Films. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, so that's why they did that. Whether you can say whether or not you think it's right that they hid the truth or not, but if it, whether his whether his personal life was affecting his work or not, he could have been fine. He could have dealt with sure. the grieving his best. He could have and just made a shit movie. But the optic is going to be terrible. Even if he comes out with his own from his own agent and says, "No, my movie sucked. It had nothing to do with my daughter dying." That scene never leaves DC if they fire him during that period. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Okay. This is the only thing that works for both sides. So I, I listen, I'm the first one to blame people for doing something stupid because, you know, we always these like multi-billion-dollar companies like we we assign them these values of like. Oh, they're so smart because they're billionaires. No, they do a lot of fucking stupid things all the time. The smart ones just have good outside sources to tell them, no, that's stupid. Don't do that. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So I'm going to still say that they probably did the right thing by just saying, listen, we're going to say you're stepping away to deal with your family. We're not saying we fired you. We're still going to pay you everything, but go away. It's just weird for it to come out now. And like it just seems unnecessary. But well, the, the thing is, that coming out is someone with an axe to grind, which means mm. that someone at DC, maybe someone who has ascended to that role now, or maybe someone who also because there was a big shakeup in DC. Yeah. Even after that, like not not including that, a lot I forget who and what. This was a few several weeks ago. I didn't have enough time slash was too lazy to look up the story. A whole bunch of people were shaken up in the hierarchy. Of, the top level of executives at DC. Jeff Johns is still there, but the other people who joined, who joined, who moved to new roles, people who left. This story coming out means someone had an accident. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just odd. Um, no, I agree. It is, it is odd, but this is totally someone who's like, I'm going to burn it down because I'm not happy. Right, but I, I like what you said though about like. It be I, I understand it like being like the best case like to to use that so like it's not like like you said that you don't have a headline you know daughter kills like daughter commits suicide Snyder fired like like yeah, yeah that's a terrible headline like obviously they're trying to they would want to avoid that um, the thing is that headline whether it's true or not it, like Huffington Post or someone is writing the headline and you do not watch that stain off right it just seems that like this article would be followed up with a like quickly like I don't know I, I feel like they would kind of. Like go, basically go into what you said, 
Like maybe like push on the fact that like maybe his like his work was suffering a little bit because of personal issues at home or whatever. I don't know. This just seems odd. No, because then because then you then you're then you're like victim blaming and stuff like that. Maybe. Everyone will pile on you. It, it, you. You just can't do it. You he, eat it. You eat the contract. You pay it out. You you let him walk away with the with the narrative that he. The, you know. Listen, you're going through a hard time. We don't want to pile on. We're gonna pay you. Go attend to your own things. We'll figure it out from here. No matter how much burden is on us, because it's worth it rather than deal with the absolute PR shitstorm that comes with Zack Snyder out at DC. Following death of daughter. Mm. There, there's a, another part to this where, like, the guy that is like the person that that had to do the firing, like that just like it, there's like it's it's terrible to joke about this, but like there's there there's like this is like a thing that happens in like a TV show, right, or a, or a silly movie where it's like. Did you ever see Moneyball? You need to. Nah, I think I did. I know you're not a baseball fan, but I'm wondering. No, if I saw that. Uh, Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill. Yeah, yeah, it's Jonah Hill sitting on the plane next to the guy, learning how to talk to someone who he's going to have to fire, right. and then like ten minutes later, he ends up having to fire to cut someone. It's just so and brutal. It's Jonah Hill doing that. That's what you're describing. Yeah, it's so brutal. It's jo- it's Jonah Hill cutting Carlos Pena. It's like that. Whoever had to deliver that message probably took a couple of years off their life with stress. <laughs> oh, hundred <laughs> percent. That just—it's just terrible. But uh, it also it, like in the way that like mob hitmen type of thing works. That dude probably got fired a week later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So <laughs> there's one other interesting thing here. So like the if you if you put DC next to Marvel or basically DC next to Disney in this case because that's how it is now. Um, Solo suffering something's going wrong with the direction. They're like, okay, no, <laughs> right? And they 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 end this and they 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 fix it before there's a final before there's like a a rough cut. They end it. They're yes. like, this is not this is not okay. DC was like. And then it, it kept going. They're like, ah! and then he got the rough cut. And they're like, ah! <laughs> yep. that's it's just it's they gotta they're they're gonna will they learn? No, no, because they've done this thing like eight times now. Yeah, who they should have learned after Suicide Squad. You know what's funny? I, I wanna <laughs> we should write uh, we should do like a joint article on this. Who's worse? <laughs> AMC or DC because one is stupid <laughs> and the other one is evil. <laughs> but which yeah. one is worse? <laughs> no, evil's worse. <laughs> I'm always going to put malicious intent over gross incompetence as being worse. <laughs> it's I don't know if this shifts to anything at all, but it's evil holding on to one like with one property. Where this is stupid, with like a gajillion dollars worth of IP. <laughs> so, uh, let me just let me give you an analogy. You have something catastrophically wrong with your health. You're rushed to the hospital. You wake up and your left arm is gone from the elbow down. Situation one: doctor comes in and says, "Yeah, we were supposed to." Um, take your appendix out, and I just said, mm, fuck it, and I cut your left arm off. 
Or situation B. Hi, I'm a new doctor here. It said operate on your right side, and I accidentally operated on your left side. I am so sorry, and I'm going to take this to my grave with me. <laughs> You're going to be really unhappy in both situations, but which one are you going to want to kill someone with your one good hand with, and which one are you going to want to like pat him on the back with your one good hand? Hang on. There's, there's a, a flaw with this in relation to the DCAMC thing. The doctor was apologetic. <laughs> the dumb one. <laughs> he was sorry. <laughs> okay, that's fair. But still, you kind of get what I'm getting at, right? I do. No, I do. <laughs> that's great. Oh, my God. Moving on uh, to my final piece that I have here. Um, there is a... I came across this article from Screen Rant of every DC villain... Every DC movie villain ranked. Um, just want to give credit there to Screen Rant. But... I'm going to run through the list really quickly with you, from worst to best. Well, these ones that have been on screen, are these comic book only? On screen. Okay. So, number 25, Poison Ivy and Bane. Number 24, Anton Arcane from Swamp Thing. Uh, I have no context. Number 23, Mr. Freeze. I want to pause right there. (laughs) I I need to see Swamp Thing. (laughs) Because I need to know... Under what circumstances this happened? <laughs> also, I love that three of the 25 worst DC villains ever were in the same movie. <laughs> like, the bottom, like, three of the bottom four were all in the same movie. Right. So, it, it's funny, because like, we start off with the list, and it, because it's worst to best, so there's obviously a tipping point where they become, this is a good villain, but not not the best, right? We're, we're, yeah. We've we've not gotten there yet. Let's see if you can pinpoint the line when we cross it. <laughs> so that twenty three was Mister Freeze. Twenty two is Quentin Turnbull from Jonah Hex. Never saw it. No context. Twenty one is Two Face, Batman Forever, and I call bullshit. <laughs> this oh is, no, that goes way higher on this list. Yes, he's a gr- he was great. I know that movie is campy. I know it's ridiculous. But how awesome was Tommy Lee Jones in this role? <laughs> you know what? People complain about Batman Forever. Two things. One, I genuinely enjoy Batman Same. Forever, whether or not it's quote-unquote a good movie. Two, that movie was a product of the time it was made. Yeah. Like, that, you're, like, you're right. Like, in 2018, that movie doesn't look quote-unquote good. But it wasn't made in 2018. You're right. right. That movie doesn't get made now. In 1995, when that came out, or whatever, yeah, 1995, I think, right? Uh, that was 1995. Right. That movie. Yeah, you're right, though. But like, it's it's what's crazy to me. Here's the thing. Here's a funny thing about that too. The, a movie like that won't. I don't think will exist again. No, that's what I'm saying. It's a product of its time. It's crazy. Like it's, and if you also think think about like all the merchandising that went along with that too. Like, there was just the, obviously, every, all of these Batman movies always had, like, action figures and things like that, but, like, the Taco Bell tie-ins and, like, all of the different, like, the merch that you can get from all these different places. Like, that movie, like, it was in your face the entire time. <laughs> well, because there's, there's campy that's bad because it doesn't realize it, and then there's campy on purpose. That's right. campy on purpose. Right. Right. I And I think that even in that, for him to, I think the performance that he gives in that movie is actually really solid. On its own. <laughs> yeah, no, Tommy Lee Jones was good, even though, from everything you hear, he was really tortured during the making of that. Right. Like, the lifelong feud between him and Jim Carrey because right. of the making of that movie, like... <laughs> right. 
Oh my god, that's great. So he's number twenty-one, which this, which made me like when I hit twenty-one, I was like, I this this list is dismissed. But I, I haven't like, heard had, the rest of the list. I know we have to go through. So, I feel like not even knowing where this is going, he should be no lower than like fifteen. Right. So right. twenty-one, so, Two Face, and here's where you're gonna get mad. Twenty twenty Doomsday. No, <laughs> Doomsday is an under in no circumstances that that is that villain better. <laughs> Doomsday wasn't even a thing. No. No. It's just a it's just a thing. It doesn't it doesn't even deserve to be twenty five on the list. It just shouldn't be on it. It's not it's not a villain. Uh no. Nineteen Lucifer Lucifer Morningstar from Constantine. Eighteen Lex Luthor from Batman V Superman Dawn of Justice. See, I thought that he was Well, I've I've thought that Jesse Eisenberg's not to blame for that role, so I, I don't mind him being Wait, hang on a second. Lucifer, is there a picture of him? Who is Lucifer from Constantine? Um, there's a picture of him, but he's behind something. Isn't he? Uh, isn't he the guy from is Armageddon? That... <laughs> let, me, let me take now a look. I gotta look this quick. up because I've seen Constantine a few times, and I'm struggling to remember who that is. Oh wait, oh it, it, no, it is actual Lucifer. It's the devil. Yeah, no, he, he deserves to be way higher on this list. It's fucking Peter Stormare. He's incredible. As the that, devil. Yeah, that's the guy, right? He only gets about? one. He, he gets one sequence. Like he's on screen for like eight minutes. He's incredible. He chews up the screen. I love that guy. Yeah, that guy's uh, one of my favorite actors. Who's like always a tiny ass role and is always playing someone ridiculous. Right. Well, yeah, I I I, I like seeing him on screen. Um, but he yeah, so he's at nineteen. But then right after that, you get Lex Luthor, um, Jesse Eisenberg's Lex. Lex nah, he's, he he should be ahead of him. He's, he was really good in that movie. Even though he's barely. This one, this one upsets me. Enchantress is number seventeen from Suicide Squad. You know what? Just, nah, you just, can put her down at twenty-three or whatever is right get above. Get off the list this. because I will take Poison Ivy and Bane from Batman over that any day. <laughs> nah, but I'll take Arnold over them. Movie. <laughs> All right, number sixteen, The Riddler, Batman Forever. See, he should be higher too. Agreed. Agreed. Fifteen, Steppenwolf. Nah, get the fuck out of here. Get off the list. You don't even deserve the list. This is recency bias. This is recency <laughs> bias. Get Doomsday off the list completely. Put Steppenwolf at like 24 or whatever. Like Right. Ares and Dr. Poison from Wonder Woman is number 14. I genuinely enjoyed Ares, so. Okay. So has the list, in your opinion, has the list started to turn? Uh, well, it's, it's false, because all the, the, the there's like three people up here who should have been this. But yeah, we're getting to the area where like we're approaching quality, I guess. Okay. Ares was good up until they turned him into CGI. So number 13, Lex Luthor from Superman 1978. Now, I will actually keep this one here. I'm okay with this one. Because I... Gene Hackman? Yeah, Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor is pretty great. Uh, moving on, this is what doesn't make sense to me. Hector Hammond from Green Lantern is number 12. I think... Uh, I think Lex deserves to be a little higher than this guy. That's the uh, Al- the Alexander Skarsgård. No, no, Peter Skarsgård. Is that who it was? Yeah, Peter Skarsgård. So, yep. Yeah. yep, that is who it is. Number eleven is Kevin Spacey's Lex Luthor. That was in Superman Returns. Yeah. So uh, I never saw it. By all accounts, that movie is uh, I. That movie's bad. <laughs> yeah, I've, that's what I've heard. So, the fact that Gene Hackman is lower on the list than that is absurd. Um, 
Number 10, General Zod from Superman 2. Okay, you know, does that definitely yeah, deserve no, definitely. to be on the higher I, I end? Yeah, definitely. I'm surprised he's not higher end. Right. Um, Ozymandias is uh, on number 9 from Watchmen. I don't know if that's how you say his name, but I know who from Watchmen. Ozymandias, yeah. Yeah. I always forget that Watchmen's a DC property. Yep, yep. So that's number 9, which seems okay. I would not put him that high. He deserves to be lower. He was good. Um, Ra's al Ghul. Number eight, Batman Begins. Great villain. Good. He's a little yep. eight. My, well, let's see where the rest of this list goes. Eight seems a little too low on the list. Well, see, the funny thing is, I'd actually say he's a little too high, not because of the total, the total quality, just the lack of screen time. Fair. Number seven is Two Face from Dark Knight. I'm okay with that. I, yeah, I, see, he's another one. He's barely on screen, really. He's barely on screen, but like, if you think about the character as a whole, I feel like just he definitely packs a punch, and he's important. But I just I have trouble ranking someone so high for barely being on screen without having the highs of a ledger like ledger joke. Like he's gonna be number one, like we know. Like, yeah. it's not a, a plot twist. Yeah, when I opened this, I already knew who two and one were, so that wasn't so. really a question. Um, number six, and here's here's where here is. If it, if I wasn't dismissing this list before, I'm dismissing it now. General Zod, Man of Steel, get out of my movies, Michael Shannon. <laughs> I don't like you. <laughs> I like Michael Shannon. I know you do. Or at least more than you do. Uh, I know you hate him. Um, but here's the thing: I don't know where he deserves to be on this list overall, but he doesn't deserve to be over Terrence Stamp as. That's not, wait, is that, yeah, that's him, right? Who's played General Zod in the 70s or 80s, whatever it was. Oh, is that his name? I don't even know his real name. But I, I will the, say, here's the thing. We'll talk about this at, at some other point because I, I think you need to see Shape of Water so that we can talk about it. But um, <laughs> this guy has always played a character that you're not supposed to like. So I need a character that he's that I'm supposed to like that he plays. He's a good bad guy. Huh? He's a good bad guy. He is well. Yes, I guess. Either that, uh, or, or I really just don't like him, and it's hard for me to decipher that right now. So I need I mean, to see him in a okay. role that I'm supposed like, to like him. Yeah, I was right. It is Terrence Stamp. He was uh, he was Chancellor Valorum in the Phantom Menace. That's the okay. original Zod. Interesting. Um, if you want to talk about liking Michael Shannon or him being in a role where you're supposed to like him, as opposed to him playing a villain. Um, he was in 12 Strong, the movie with Chris Hemsworth that just came out. Okay. He's one of the squad that, that goes to Afghanistan. Um, doesn't get a ton of screen time, but was generally likable in that, actually, I thought. Because he kind of plays the, he plays the grizzled, like, sergeant who's, like, got his finger on the pulse of the squad. Okay. I will check it out. The thing is, there must be, there must be something about him, because I'm not dismissing the movies that he's in immediately. Yeah. Um, but every time I see him, I'm just like, ugh. Uh, <laughs> but number five is Bane from Dark Knight Rises. That's too high. It's I I I, I agree. Uh, number I four. I love him and like he's visually striking and like he has some great lines, but he's not really that great of a villain, honestly. Like right. Number four, and this is this one caught me by surprise, and then I was like, you know what? Okay. Number four is Penguin from Batman Returns. Now. I don't know the last time you watched Batman Returns, but I actually watched it recently, and I was like, this character is screwed up, and I love it. <laughs> I remember 
remember being really creeped out. Well, first of all, Danny DeVito's creepy. Yeah. I mean, I kind of love him, but he's creepy. Same. Um, it's funny that we get to talk about him because, like, I was just having this conversation today. Have you seen the new commercial he's in, the Eminem commercial? Uh, yes. I, every single time I've seen it, and I've already seen it like 15 times, I crack up. It's the hysterical. Idea of a joyous Danny DeVito running through the streets of a city asking people, do you want to eat me? <laughs> is a riot to me. I, I, I don't know why. Yeah. And he's, and he's hysterical on Always Sunny. Like, I genuinely enjoy Danny DeVito. Like, he's Agreed. a funny dude. Agreed. Um, he's, but he is kind of creepy, partially just because he's the most oddly shaped human being in the world. Fair. Two, he's just, he's him, and he's super creepy, and as, as Frank in Always Sunny, he's super creepy. And three, in that role of Penguin, he's even more creepy than normal. I saw the movie when I was, like, six. I probably haven't seen it since then. Okay. It's a weird movie. Like, he's weird in it. Like, I, It's, it's I bizarre. Know. Yeah. It's been a long time. I but I like I said I had watched it recently. I was like, yeah, like that. I like that he's 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 higher on the list than I would have liked. Just I, if I was to just like list the ones that I like, I probably would have forgotten about him. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, yes, I I accept. <laughs> um, I just remember like does at the end like doesn't does he get I don't know if he gets shot or something, but like I remember him he's like bleeding out of his mouth and he just disappears into some water. Like it was weird. Yeah, he like falls onto that little ramp and rolls in. Yeah. Um, Number three is Catwoman from Batman Returns. I have a little bit of an issue with that one. So, um, like she was fine. Was Michelle Pfeiffer, right? Right? People liked her, whatever. She was fine. It was whatever. She doesn't deserve to be anywhere near the top five. Um, number two is Jack Nicholson's Joker, and number one is Heath Ledger's Joker. Now, here's here's where the big problem with that list comes in. Um, those are both number ones. There's. <laughs> Exactly, and there's no. I I defy you to argue that statement because the two of them play their Joker perfectly, and it is it is their Joker. Like nobody else can do the ones that they do. Yeah, and they're like they the Heath Ledger one captures the psychopathic more more on the real side because it was a Nolan movie, like the super dark, uh, really like intense uh, one of my favorite characters full-time jokers and then the the uh, the joker from 89 is just a different kind of psycho like he is he is he's a creepy terrifying psychopath in a campy movie and it's great and it's haunting and it's funny and it's creepy it it, it he does a tremendous job with it and like the two of them are number one <laughs> Just so they're just yeah, so good. I, I really do need to get around to actually sitting down and watching that movie again because again, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I, I legitimately have not seen that movie in over twenty years. I just don't remember much. Like, we I've, should... seen, I've seen little bits of it, and it's like, oh, it's like two thirds of the way through the movie, and it's like a random scene. Like I don't really remember what's going on here. Like I'm not gonna sit around and watch it because if I'm gonna sit down and watch this movie again, like I want to see it from the beginning because it's almost as if I haven't seen it. Right. We should do a little uh we should do a little Batman marathon of the uh of the big 4 from the <laughs> from the 80s to the 90s and and just get through all of them and do a do a, maybe do like a, a single episode on all of them and how like on on what we liked on the big question of what happened uh, <laughs> you know and just and just kind of explain I don't know that. if I can get through Batman and Robin again. I've seen bits of it in the last couple of years. Well, and it's like I remember seeing the movie a couple times 
when I was young because you loved that movie when it came out because you love Arnold yeah. and you love Batman. Yep. And I like I saw it without you. I know I I almost certainly saw it once or twice with you. Like I saw it a couple times as a kid. Like when it came out, like was it like ninety eight or whatever, yeah. ninety seven, and I remember as a kid it wasn't offensive to me. And then like you read stuff and it's like oh yeah those those things are bad like I oh yeah I remember it happening that's weird like looking back mm-hmm. and like I saw like fifteen minutes of it like in the last year or so and I'm like I can't watch this this is so bad it's really rough we uh what I don't know if I I think I might have told you about this but we had a my a buddy of mine does a bad movie night every once in a while and he has uh, a drinking yeah, game. I think we talked about it on the yeah, show yeah we probably times. have but like that the one with that is. There was a lot of bourbon consumed. A lot. <laughs> there was a lot of bourbon that was required to be consumed to get through that, I'm imagining. <laughs> right. So, anyway, that that is what I had there on uh, on those DC villains. I just wanted to go through that list with you and get your get your take. So, it seems like you and me are both on the same page there for the majority of it. Um, the last piece of this is, it leads nicely into our three billboards, um, which is our topic of the, of the show here. And... Oscar season is upon us, and out of the best pictures, I think I've seen five. Um, you've probably seen two, from what my guess is here. So I'm just going to. I forget what was nominated. Just going to do a, best picture. a quick list of them. There, Call Me by Your Name, Darkest Hour, didn't see it. Dunkirk. Saw it. Oh no, didn't see it. I want to though. Yeah, I want to see that. Really, really bad. Uh, Dunkirk. Get saw out. It. Saw it. You saw Get Out. Yeah. Oh, we're doing an episode on that. Lady Bird. <laughs> we're only a year late, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Lady Bird. Didn't Phantom Thread or Daniel Day Lewis makes us sad. Uh, the Post. <laughs> saw it. Good. You saw The Post? Yeah. Oh, this it. is great. You saw more than I expected. Okay, cool. So I'm actually, I've got, I'm on track to see The Post, Phantom Thread, and Darkest Hour probably. Yeah, within... when we were, we were hashing this out yesterday, I forgot to tell you I saw that. Oh, excellent. Okay. So. Or, or either I did get got lost, I forget. Uh, the Shape of Water. Didn't see it. Kind of want to, but also not entirely sure. I want to see Abe Sapien spin-off sex movie. See it. <laughs> um, because we should talk about it. Uh, and three billboards outside Epping, Missouri. So, so so four. Not great, but not terrible. That, that, no, that's better than that's better than I expected. Because you're you're usually not on top of the Oscar films. I feel like. Um. I mean, I've considered a bunch of them. Like, I thought about seeing Shape of Water. I've just kind of gone back and forth. Um, at the time when I heard about Lady Bird, I was like, whatever. But then it was, like, reviewed, like, almost perfectly. And I saw a couple snippets of it. Like, I think my mom was watching, like, uh, one of, like, the morning shows, like, on, like, Fox or NBC or something. And they were doing, like, they were, had one of the, I don't know if they had Saoirse Ronan or someone else on it. And they were, it might have been Greta Gerwig, I forget, like, whoever the... And they were showing little clips of it. I was like, all right, you know, this actually kind of looks interesting. I might want to check this out. Um, and there was another one. I don't remember which one that, that you'd said that I really – oh, The Darkest Hour. I really want to see it. Just didn't get around to it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to see that one. Uh, mainly because Gary Oldman's most likely going to win uh, lead actor for it. So I want to make sure I get I get that one in. Um, oh, you think he's most likely going to win? I do. He seems to be the favorite. I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me. I just – I'm surprised that you feel that he's like – the clear frontrunner. Yeah, well, he's been winning a lot of the other awards so far, and they, the they all build up to the Oscars, and it's usually not too far off. So, 
I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised, and I feel like it would probably end up being the case. I will say, out of all the best pictures that I've seen so far, I'm currently at a toss-up between Call Me By Your Name and Three Billboards. I mean, I feel like there's no question Three Billboards is going to win, even though all of a sudden people are hating it a lot. That's, Which, we're going to get to that. We'll get into it, and some of that is justified, I think, because it was stuff that I was thinking about when I saw it, um, and then going on and reading people talking about it i was like okay i'm not the only one who's thinking these things great that's interesting i'm actually i'm very i'm excited to get into that because i from the things that i've read i didn't agree with them so i'm very curious to see where where we land on that um but those two movies were incredible in their own right so three billboards is our is our topic for the show and um if i'm saying to you that i think that i have a toss-up for that for best picture then obviously you know where i stand on this movie it is outstanding for me the introduction to this movie came with um a buddy of mine that i work with he he's a great he's a great person to have like a movie suggested for you he's super into films and he yeah he he thinks about them and talks about them the same way that we do so he was like dude have you seen this movie like it's it's really i was like no i haven't like i'll check it out and he's he's a big fan of uh, mcdonough so he like i like saw it as soon i guess as soon as it was like available to him but he was like he was telling me about this one on one of our work trips, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, I'll check it out." I wrote, I put it on the list. I uh, got access to it, and then I just I went and saw it. And I was like, "This is amazing!" And I unfortunately, this is your friend who you said you want to bring on one day. I do, yeah. Um, so I thought I was your introduction to this movie though, because I saw a trailer for this like way back. Um, I think I saw it alongside when I saw Free Fire. Because they're both A twenty four movies. Oh, interesting. I didn't. I, I don't remember. I think. Isn't this film four? What was A twenty four? Unless it's Fox Searchlight. It might be one. Of, that might be that. Uh, well, anyway, I, my, but I remember Fox the first intro to it was uh, was my friend Toby here, and he he was like when he when he tells me when he has a suggestion for me for movies or music, they're usually like spot on with my taste. So like it's like perfect to take to take his advice on these things and uh unfortunately when i saw it i'm gonna be honest here i there was no it wasn't playing anywhere near me and i was like dead set on seeing the movie and it wasn't available yet so i had someone download it for me and like i I, just to, to quickly touch on pirating here i will be buying this movie so i i'm i don't feel guilty about these things um i go to the movies a lot they make certain movies I feel more difficult for me to see than other movies. And I know there's some movies that you've seen that you're like, oh, you should see this. And then like, I'll go to see it for the weekend and it's not available near me. And it's like, which is just crazy to me. Well, it's funny because you have two really good movie theaters. Right. Including AMC. And the movies that I end up seeing that you don't end up seeing, I see it in AMC. Now, the AMC I have is like 37 screens, but right. it's like 40 minutes from me. The one you have is closer, but also smaller. Um, so I just assume if I can get access to it, you can. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's really so funny. Like, I have two tiny movie theaters in me that, that don't have access to a lot of these movies. And I don't think to see it necessarily. And then I'll see one of them out. It's like, oh, it's playing over there. And it's like, all right, I'll go make the trip. I just assume you're going to be able to see it because you have better movie theaters close to you than I have. That are see, see, that's the thing. I, I'm in this weird spot, right, where we have... 
we have really great movie theaters that'll play you know top of the line movies that i'll always be able to see pretty much at any time like whenever they're around like they're they're quick and easy to get to and they have the indie-ish theaters near me where it's it's easy to see something like um uh what call me by your name or things like that and for whatever reason i i might have missed the time frame where like this would have been relevant in either of those theaters yeah which is unfortunate because uh the week after i watched it it came out on prime so i could have watched it there but i had no idea that it was coming out anytime anyway the the point is what's really funny about this is i asked my buddy because he he's got a you know he's got his ways (laughs) <laughs> I'm getting it. So I asked him, like, can you can you just get this for me? Because I'm like, I have access to his stuff, and I, I watched it. So I was like, can you pick this movie up for me um, when you get a chance? And he was like, sure. You know, like 30 minutes later, I think he had it. And he goes, I was like, oh, great. So I was like, it's a really it's a really strange title. I was like, don't look too far into it. <laughs> and, he, and he downloaded it, and he got it set up for me, and I watched it with Kim, and we, we both really enjoyed it. And then the next time I saw him and his wife, they were like, she was like, wait, you told him to download that Three Billboards movie, right? I was like, yeah. She goes, that was amazing. <laughs> and, then, and then she was like, my whole family watched it. <laughs> they loved it. <laughs> so we, we, we spread the word. <laughs> but anyway, um, that was just a, a, an aside there. But the this movie is intense. And it is a... Yep. It's... It's just I don't even I I'm like semi speechless for because there's so many different aspects of this movie that are so good, and there's obviously a lot of controversy around uh, certain aspects of it which we'll get into. But overall, you you had similar feelings. Yeah, um, sorry, I'm trying to look at my my notes here because I thought I put it down here and I guess I didn't. But this is a roller coaster of a movie. Yeah. Like, it's a little exhausting to watch, honestly. Uh, I agree. Like, it, it's so funny because it's, it's a really, really good movie. I want to watch it again. I'm not prepared to watch it again just yet. Yeah, the, it was kind of, like I said, like the way when I saw Logan. I mean, very different movies, but right. where it was, like, very good movie. I enjoyed it, but... Heavy. He- like, tangibly feel the weight of it on me, and it's like... I. I don't need to necessarily be in that space again so soon. Like I need time before I want to watch it again. Right. It's just like, this isn't like I'm bored on like Saturday night. I'm going to throw on a movie movie. Yeah, exactly. Unless it's like Saturday night and I want to continue to be depressed. (laughs) Those are two Uh, very different Saturday nights. Yeah. Uh, But it's like, so we have like this, this really dark story, and then we have the uh, we have this, these incredible characters. Like each individual that's on screen, like has the like you want more of them. And maybe uh, I actually have that as a note next to one of the actors or actresses. A question of was this person in it too much, or was this this person in it not enough? Ooh, interesting. I'd like to. I'd like to hear that. So, uh, just just for those of you who don't know, the uh, I'll just read the quick synopsis for Three Billboards Outside of Missouri. So, a mother personally challenges the local authorities to solve her daughter's murder when they fail to catch the culprit. That's that is the plot. That's it. <laughs> it is, and also yet it is not. Like that's well, that's like that is if you if you don't want to like look into the characters or anything like that's the main plot that goes through the whole thing. That's that's what sparks this whole thing. So, this mother played by Frances McDermott, who's daughter was raped and killed 
and it's been a significant amount of time since this thing has happened. It was like six or seven months or something and, like that. Yeah, and no one's been no one's been arrested. No one's been charged with it. And she rents these three billboards, and she basically calls out the cops, and specifically at the last billboard, the sheriff, and is she's 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 done. She's done. Like, why is this? Why is this not taken care of yet? Not just calls out the cops, but calls them out in graphic language. Yeah, and it's. Like the, she, she's the character you're supposed to, you know, you're you're meant to be rooting for, like throughout, and it's. But she's also, you know, she's conflicted in her own ways, and it's 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 just a really it's a dark overall movie, and there's no there's it's just a lot of gray all over the place, and then a lot of black. Like <laughs> there's like there's there's a lot of things that are like on like that to, like they're on either side of the line, and then there's a lot of things that are just. Really, really bad. <laughs> There's nothing in the movie that is really, really good. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> counterpoint. Sorry, uh, maybe Woody Harrelson, but <laughs> nope, not him. Oh, a part of it. But uh, what were you gonna say? Nope. Red Welby, only person who comes oh, out. Sorry. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah. absolutely correct. I actually have a note here that says orange juice, which we'll get into later when we get to spoilers. <laughs> um, only actually, person who comes out of this movie clean. Very true. Um, speaking of which, is there anything that you want to touch on before we re- remove the veil so that we can just talk freely about this film? Um, no, I mean, nothing that has to be. Then in, in that case, the only thing I would say is see this movie. I have something here that's non-spoiler effect, super vague. Um... The CGI of the deer. Oh my god! Like, what is with the AMC like, CGI of the deer? No, no, no! That was the funny thing. Is I, my note right here, and I fucking like almost yelled when I typed it in my phone. The CGI of this deer, fifty times better than The Walking Dead. But still not good. <laughs> but still fifty times better than okay, something that probably okay. has a big budget than this whole fucking movie. Better than Walking Dead. But it, it was that was a really there's just a it, it's not a spoiler there's a deer at one point and she's kind of has has a moment with this deer but it is so clearly fake to the point where I'm like why like just just take the shot of a real deer and like and clip back and forth between the character and the deer that's all you needed to do which is what I've said all the times that I've wanted to put my foot through my TV in rage when I watched The Walking Dead that was but the thing is. This CGI wasn't good, and it's still 50 times better than what they do on The Walking Dead. Right. It's so bad that I just... <laughs> the CGI of the deer in The Walking Dead is, an, is enough on its own almost to make me want to stop watching the show, let alone all the other things that get wrong on that show. Right. Oh, my God. Anyway, let's uh, remove the veil. From this point on, there will be spoilers for this movie. Um, would you like to take it from here? Um, Sure. Who's the character you thought that I uh, that would you guess that I thought was either in it too much or not enough? Uh, Peter Dinklage. A hundred percent. Yeah, that was that was a strange fit. Um, it's funny because I I love him and I always like when I know that when I see his name on something I'm like ooh I'm so excited that he's gonna be in it because I think he's so great. But you're yes. right, he's very his character is just like it's he's like a little underdeveloped i guess or just not like you said it's either like there there would have been if he just wasn't there at all it wouldn't have made a difference well you know what it is like they could have literally just had him in one of the scenes he was in and it would have been perfect at the pool hall or any of them like he could have been just at the pool hall or just the scene where they go out to dinner 
or just the scene where he covers for her. But having him in all those scenes felt like they didn't use him enough. Yeah. Like, if you're going to commit to having him in those scenes, and, like, we kind of got some development of his character in that, they should have had him in the movie more to actually make it matter. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I thought that developing him detracted from the rest of the movie because they didn't do enough with it. Like, we got a bunch of stuff about him and his character, and it doesn't matter at all. Yeah, it's it's odd. Like, he, like Peter Dinklage was good. I enjoyed sure. him being in the movie. But his character doesn't really fit. He either should have been in it much more or much less than he was. Right. I I, I would agree with that. It, it was a it was an odd it was just an odd thing there. Um, I kind of wonder like if there's more. The movie's not short, and I kind of no. wonder if there's more to it that that kind of builds on him, that like it kind of just gets cut out from the writing just because it was like it was the least of the necessary plot lines. Maybe I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like they were like half pregnant with him. Like, is yeah. like is he in the movie and important, or is he not in the movie and not important? Like I, I don't know which one it is. Yeah, very odd. I will say and it just frustrated me because it's like I, I, because I can see the potential in it, and it doesn't follow through. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's, it's strange. I, I, there was something there that was there was something with that character every time that he was around that where it, it didn't, I just didn't understand like. It's it's what you said. Like they were, it's like he's not enough for too much. I don't I don't know what it was, but or not enough, or it, it needed to be more. It's it's weird. Um, yeah, he's because like he he does like you like I understand like I get him. I understand what's going on with his character, but why or like what where else could it have gone or like what was the what was the point? I, there's a lot of things in what? here that that have a point. That's his what character What was the point? Yeah, what was the point of his character? It was very strange. Um, there's there's one, but Sam Rockwell is going to be. I feel like a big topic here because I know it ties into a lot of the controversies around the movie. Um, I want to take a lighter. Not just that, but he was just really good in the movie, right? So I, I was going to say, let, let's take the lighter note of this first. He's awesome. He's a great actor. I love yes. Sam Rockwell. Um, his best role though. What is his best role? There's well, there's two potentials. It's depending on which direction you want to go so okay and, so then you do know that it's guy crewman number six his crewman number six is his best role <laughs> it's that's one of the two it's either that or it's wild bill in yeah the green Mile. no true you're right it's it, and they're on both sides of the spectrum like you said like yes. but but guy is the tongue-in-cheek like snarky answer because it's like it's just so ridiculous but that's the thing funny. i'm not being snarky like that gal okay galaxy quest is a phenomenal movie. I don't care what you say. <laughs> and it might be it might be the best bad movie ever. And and him as guy, the crewman number six, is just it's just amazing because he is he's the self aware guy. Like I'm gonna die. <laughs> like we're going to this planet and I'm crewman number six, so I'm going to die. Because they wrote they yes. like they built this ship and everything in this world around our fake universe where I die. <laughs> yes. Oh, not, not, not just that, but it, it's distilled down into the one scene when they're on the planet. They said, we'll do it like an episode, whatever. He said, wait, what episode? You know, episode, whatever. That's the exact You know what episode. happened in that episode? <laughs> I died! 
<laughs> so uh, there's something that I, w- I would like to do going forward with this show, and that is as we see movies, I would like to pinpoint roles that would have been better with Sam Rockwell, <laughs> and I have one for you <laughs> right now. <laughs> so this is this is my my first example, um, and it, not to discredit the guy that plays the role because he actually does a very very good job, but. You're familiar with Die Hard, correct? I'm familiar with it. Okay, you know the douchebag guy that works at the office? Hans Bubby, <laughs> that guy. <laughs> I want Sam Rockwell to do a reshoot of those scenes. <laughs> Again, the other guy's great, but I feel like he would be amazing <laughs> in it. Okay, I mean, he's and probably not... Well, I don't know. Actually, Sam Rockwell ended up in, is, is older than I thought he was in real life. He, I guess he kind of got a late start. So, let, let, let's play this game, though, for, for like the, at least the next few episodes to see where it goes. Every movie that we review going forward for like a couple of weeks, let's just replace one character with him and, <laughs> and, and discuss. <laughs> if we can remember to do that. <laughs> anyway... That's uh, that's where he he's just he's just incredible. Um, he, he I I love when he's on screen. Uh, in not not just this movie, like when he's on screen, I'm excited because I I know that he's gonna deliver. Well, let's talk about if you want to go with the quote unquote lighter stuff and talking about him includes part of it. There are some really funny lines in this movie, even though some of them were delivered in like places they should not have been like, super dark stuff or, like, heavy, like, weighty, like, brooding stuff. And, yep. like, there are some really funny lines that are, like, you could look at it one way as, uh, oh, it's the lightning of the moon when it gets too heavy. But sometimes it's just, like, completely atonal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have two lines that I put down here. Well, I have three total, but two of them. Can, can I pause for one of... second and just ask you if one of them has to do with the kitchen? Um, none of them has the kitchen in the line. Okay. Good. Then I have one too, but it's not by him. Go on. <laughs> um, the well, the line from him was when she screams about torturing the people who are the N word, and he says it's actually persons of color torturing. I cracked up. That yeah, that I. <laughs> you're right. That was. I feel like that was clever writing. <laughs> and I felt like, like really fucked the situation. Right. It's and a really like, uncomfortable scene. Yeah. And she says, "Is that he goes? It's actually persons of color torturing." It's like <laughs> it's mm. terrible. It's terrible. <sighs> That's not actually better, <laughs> right? Like it was the worst example of someone falling for a leading question that you mm-hmm. could possibly have. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my god! What was the, what was uh, the, the other, other one? one? Was not delivered by him, but because of a line delivered to him when the desk sergeant, who if you look at him credited, is literally just credited as desk sergeant, even though he's Zeljko Ivanic, who's been in a million things, and when he said she, he screams at him, "Don't respond!" when she calls you "fuckhead," <laughs> <laughs> that was... when she storms into the police department, it says, "Hey, fuckhead!" and he goes, "What?" <laughs> oh my god, you're right. That was great. <laughs> Don't uh, respond. So, what was the line that you had there? <laughs> the line that I have is actually from. Um... Frances McDermott. What's her name in the movie? It is uh, uh, Mildred, right? Yes. Mildred Hayes. Um, but when the priest is in her kitchen with her son, and they have a little, they have a little back and forth, and then she just says, 
Now get the fuck out of my kitchen. And the way the way that she delivers the line, I was I was just hysterical. <laughs> See, I thought the line that you were talking about because it happens in the kitchen, which I didn't have it down, so I'm going to be slightly paraphrasing it. But I also laughed pretty hard when they're doing the flashback scene and the daughter's there and they're all yelling at each other and someone throws out the hard c word. Yeah. And. She says, hey, there's no cunts in the kitchen. And he says, or there's no cunts in this house. And he says, well, when are you leaving then? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. And you know what's funny, though? That's... I feel like that scene's necessary to... Like, a necessary setup to a scene that comes later. Because otherwise, that scene is, like, even more uncomfortable than it already is. Um, Which is... Let's just jump into it. When the kid holds the knife to the dad's throat when the dad's attacking the mom. Yeah. And, like, it is super intense, and then it just de-escalates. Yeah. And I feel well, like... that was the flashback, though. That was a separate scene. It, it was, but it was after all of that. I'm saying okay. you start to understand the dynamic of this family. Yeah. And then that happens, because if that just happens on its own, it's... I mean, even in the context, it's crazy and uncomfortable but like if that just happens without any of the other scenes where you know that they're kind of hostile but in a weird way love each other kind of it, it's very odd well that was the thing is like the, like the original flashback scene that I was talking about it, it's funny like there's a bunch of funny stuff in that scene even though it's so brutal especially when you know where it, what it leads to when she says I might get raped and killed and she says like I hope you do and then yeah. She does. It's like, Oof. oh my god! Like how this woman hasn't killed herself already, knowing that that thing that she said in anger, but also in jest, is a hundred percent what comes to pass. Like, right. I don't know how you live with yourself after that. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, that was that. What I remember, like as that Kim and I were watching the movie, and as that line said happens, I go, oh no! <laughs> like, <laughs> like that was yeah. it's like actually out loud. <laughs> Oh man, that was that was brutal. I just realized. So I I normally go through my notes and I check them off as we go, and I, I was just scanning them really quickly, and I forgot to check off sup with that deer. That was <laughs> that was one of my notes that you apparently got to before I. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I had one other line here too, or I guess it was two lines back to forth to each other. That it was just one of those lines where I was like, well, that happened. And um, that was the conversation between um, the sheriff, who's Sheriff Willoughby, right? That was his name? Yep. And his wife, Anne. Mm-hmm. Uh, after they had their lovely day out with their daughters. And he's putting her to bed, and they're talking about how excellent their day and how excellent their sex was. Yep. And she says... It's a nice, there was a real nice day and a real nice fuck. You got a real nice cock, Mr. Willoughby. Yeah. And then he says back to her, is that from a play? <laughs> you got a real nice cock, Mr. Willoughby. I think I heard that in Shakespeare one time. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's, let's talk about his character. Um, his character is taken from us abruptly. Yep. And it's Oh, really- you kind of saw that coming. You see it coming, right? You know, you know that he's not making through this because he's he's got a pretty serious cancer. Yep. But the way that they do it, it happens so quick. 
Like you don't you don't know what's happening now. And um. Well, the whole lead up to it, where he's like, you know, he puts her to bed, and he puts the the kids to bed, and you know, he has him pours himself a drink and this and that. And when he's when he put the envelope, I knew what was coming next. Oh yeah, for for sure. But it still takes a few minutes for it to actually happen there. Yeah, like it's it's a gasp, right? So he puts the he puts the envelope down. You're like. <gasps> And then he puts the uh, the bag on his head in like another ten seconds later, and you're like, no, 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 no! And then it just ends, and you're like, oh! And then they do the voiceover of him reading the letter. I don't know why, but I always like that in TVs and movies. Voiceovers of someone reading things. That I do too, but it's there's something really strange. Like I understand, like you 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 start off the movie wondering, like like you you're on the side of um of uh. Okay. What'd you say? Mildred. Mildred. Yeah, you're on the side of Mildred, like, you know, as soon as the, like, out of the gate, because, like, that's how, you know, it's set up and you're supposed to be, and, like, that's the point. And then you're like, okay, so we're, we're fed the information from this character that we're supposed to be on the side of that the sheriff has not done his job, right? So we're, you're, they're setting you up to not like him out of the gate, but you, he grows on you immediately because he's got such charisma as an actor, and he's. Yeah. He does a really good job of it, and you realize, oh, this guy is not the worst. And yeah, well, in, in a lot of ways, he's not whole, that bad. And <laughs> that the whole like down south, all shucks thing, you know? What right. I mean? Like, like, but like almost to a full, like almost like a cartoon character. Yes. And and that is why in my notes I have Burl Ives from the Christmas specials does a voiceover after he shoots himself in the head. Like that's. <laughs> 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 because that's that's what he reminds me of. <laughs> yes, I could just picture um, Woody Harrelson singing Silver and Gold. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 seriously though, like he's it's funny cuz it's like you almost as you, as he's growing on you, like you know you know that he's got this illness and you're like he's probably the person that could could help with all of this and actually figure out the problem and he's a person that is capable and they take him out of the like no there's no room for you in this world <laughs> of where all of this stuff is going and he gets taken out of it and it just makes everything else that much more difficult and it just yeah. anarchy ensues <laughs> and it's just it's crazy and like like he's it's like okay like let's let's like put this guy right up here at the top that kind of ties all the stuff together and keeps the peace Okay, cool. Now all this crazy stuff is happening, and he's keeping the peace. Now let's just quickly pull him out of it. Yeah. And it throws the whole thing on its head. Yeah, because you do expect him to be more of a presence throughout the story. Right, and like when he's taken away from the story, you're just like, oh, 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 okay. <laughs> like it was almost. It's just like you, you took him away. <laughs> and part of it is like, what? Well, I kind of want more Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Here's what I don't want. His wife's accent. What's going on there? Well, I mean, I don't know what you could do without it. I mean, it's 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 Abby Cornish. She's Australian, like it's. But no, no, that's not. That's fine. But you could fake. You could. The, the thing is, there's like this weird context thing where it does. It she, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit with any of the other characters or any of the other things going on in the movie. Where, like, even if you faked a really, really, really bad American accent, 
it would have made a little more sense. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, well, I'm, I'm actually struggling to remember. Was she? She had? Did she have her Australian accent, or was heavy. she just doing a bad? What? Heavy. The accent was heavy. I think they probably just decided it's better to have just to you keep consistently it? have that accent than inconsistently have a bad accent. I just it was really funny because like Kim and I were watching it, we're like, what? <laughs> like, how did they? And, and then, and then it's like questions started running through my head. How did these two meet? And and, what, and what's going on here? And like, it, it not not that that can't happen. It's just like it. It's a weird thing that takes you out of what you're supposed to be focusing on. It's certainly yeah, like you know, small town in Missouri. It's random to have someone who's Australian, right? But I would say that after watching seventy two seasons of The Walking Dead. And the variability, <laughs> the variability of Rick Grimes' accent. I call. I, I prefer that Rick Grimes unexplainedly have a British accent as an Atlanta sheriff than I would whatever it is that he does. And he's a great actor, but is. I mean, there's just nothing you can do. He's he's done a hundred episodes of the show. Like his back, his accent's not going to be the same because he's got a heavy British accent in real life, and he's doing a heavy Southern accent on the show, yeah. and it's bad. Like I, it's not going to be the same episode to episode. Which is it's funny though because like I, I don't care as much in that one. Like it doesn't for whatever reason that doesn't take me out of the experience as no, much. No, it where, used to not bother me. It's starting to bother me now. This one took me out of the experience though, which was it was just odd to me because I feel like I, they were trying I to understand set. understand because it's kind of like alien, but I just appreciated that it was consistent. All right. That's that's fair. It's just like this this small town where like everybody's it just seems like everybody's from here. Except you. Yeah. <laughs> and no, I <laughs> her to deal with more like kind of outsider syndrome like because she's clearly not from here right and that just wasn't on the table if that was the case that might have and, and again maybe maybe the writing of this movie is actually a lot lengthier than what it becomes on screen and maybe that's another thing that's that's developed in some way well but, I would say that the other thing is like if she not that I would want to replace Frances McDormand but if she had been playing that character it would have made more sense Wait, it, because she because Mildred's treated like an outsider the whole movie. Uh huh. If part of the psychology of that was because you're not from here. Interesting. You know, it would. I'm not saying she would have done a better job playing that role. Just the idea of having an actress who clearly can't do this southern accent. If you had an Australian woman being that person, like it would play into the psychology of the, how that's viewed. You know what I that, mean? That 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 could be that could be the case. But um, yes, as the sheriff's wife, the guy who was clearly like that guy has clearly lived here his whole life. Yeah, no, it, it's weird. It doesn't really make sense. You're right. Yeah, strange. Um, but yeah, Woody, Woody taken from us, taken from us too soon. But on his terms. <laughs> yeah. I guess on so. lives terms. <laughs> <laughs> that's not. That's not right. <laughs> Oh man, um, Francis McDermott though. Wow, McDormand. McDormand. Wow, <laughs> like kills it. Sorry, I just clicked on a link on IMDb to another page on IMDb, uh-huh. and 
uh, on the sidebar is a picture of Deadpool with like heavenly light shining down upon him, and he's doing like this plank thing on a chair. It's and from Flash. Bullets raining down on him. Yeah. And that really distracted me. Yeah. I, I that's, apologize. That's fair. Uh, but, but she, getting back to her though, she is incredible. Like she in this movie, like awesome. Well, why don't we hang out? Why don't we hang on to that? Because like, okay, her character and Sam Rockwell is going to be like two really you big hang- right. yeah, yeah. sections of this. So like, uh, what do you want to skip on to? I don't know. Let's talk about some little or things that are kind of quick hit things. Like, sure. for instance. Oh, wait, Sunday, we were talking about it earlier. Max Mom is in this. Max Mom. And she's basically playing Max Mom again, but with more lines. Oh, yeah. That's, is that, um, uh, Sam Rockwell's mom. his mom? Yeah. Yeah. That, that relationship is creepy. Um, oh, so weird. And uncomfortable. Just so uncomfortable. But she was literally playing Max Mom again. She just had more lines in this movie than she had in the entire show even right. though she'd been on that show a lot and she was in this movie barely at all yeah that but was... basically the same person just a terrible terrible person <laughs> awful god awful and it's like it's like one of those things like this character like this character sucks like yep. sam rockwell's character and you're like yep. oh and this That's is his home I'm... life yep got it <laughs> this is why you're terrible <laughs> yep that's spot on <laughs> oh my god and yeah, they they de- they definitely delivered that. There, yeah, she has some lines where you just like we're almost to the point where it it seems that it makes um, Dixon cringe when she says it, like to a degree. And I'm just like, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> like, can we can we change scenes now? <laughs> Brutal. Well, you got uh, now. Unfortunately, I saw this movie like two months ago. Uh, we were supposed to have recorded this a while ago. So I don't 100% remember what the lines were. But I have a note here about there was a recurring thing where uh, Mildred was making fun of her ex-husband's girlfriend. And she just kept making zoo jokes because she worked at the zoo. I have zoo girl written down here. <laughs> I don't remember what the jokes were now. I just know that they were fucking funny. <laughs> they, they, they really were. And I... It's funny if you start to if you look at it, it just feels like I don't know. I really know like what's going on. Like, at, I don't know at what point this her ex husband started dating this girl. Was it after his daughter died? I think it was if by based on one of the conversations that happened. And there's like this. They're kind of touching on how like all of these different folks from this completely toxic family relationship are coping with this in different ways. Not just that, but you also got the the impression that this is just the latest in a line of ditzy young girls that he's dated. Right. I definitely remember one of the jokes had something to do with her smelling bad. I think multiple had to do with her smelling like a barn. Yeah. Well, I just remember, like, one of them was basically something along the lines of, I, you know, if she didn't work at a zoo, I'd wonder. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. That is great. You know what? On that that note, so, like, then you get – there's – as much as, like, the – Peter Dinklage's character, like we were, like you, like we had, we talked about that earlier. The, the scene where they're out to dinner, and then her ex-husband is there with the zoo girl. Um, he is it. It's in that scene that he tells her that he burned the billboards, or is it later? Mm, it's. I don't think it's in that scene. 
I just remember when he tells her, like, you, what, like, this is, like, it's, like, good physical acting. Like, you can see the rage (laughs) on her face and behind her eyes in that scene. I'm going to be honest, I actually forgot that it was him. Yeah, it was. (laughs) And, and then, like, this is, like, the nice, let's actually talk about that for a second. So, he, he's the one that did it, and then, like, the billboard, but before that, the billboards were paid for for another month. And you find out you, – you have no idea. I've got no context of who could possibly have done it. It did not cross my mind in the least that it was, uh, that it was the sheriff before he Oh, I knew, I knew it was him. And when, when they reveal that and I was like, you and – like, and just the chuckle. Right, it's basically like it, it's, yeah, written. it's him reading the letter, right? Yeah, last and it's reading. like, well, I guess you're gonna have to deal with that, <laughs> like, because <laughs> you can't tell anybody it was me <laughs> or something, whatever it was that he says. But it's just, it's so good. It's like, you know, what? I'm gonna do you a favor, but at the same time, this is not gonna be the best for you. <laughs> well, because wasn't he the one who storms into the office and asks why they haven't come down yet? Yeah. He plays off like he has no idea, right? Even though he was the one who paid for it. In the oh no no that was I feel like that was earlier though. No no, no. there was the original scene, yeah. and then someone else goes back and talks to him. He says, "Oh, it's been paid." I had oh was that him? Time? I think it might have been Dixon. Was it? Di- well, there's that scene too where he throws him out the window. <laughs> uh, that was yeah, that was intense. Actually, let's talk about that. Yeah, this is the year of Caleb Landry Jones. Yeah, he's been showing up a lot lately. He was in this. Yep. He was in Get Out. Yep. He was in... <laughs> yeah, right? Let's talk about that another time. <laughs> that was... Well, that's the thing. is he, The couple of things I've seen him in, he's been creepy as shit. He was in American Made. I don't know if you saw that. I did not. That came out this past year, too. That was the Tom Cruise movie based on a true story. About the um, the cartel with what's his name Pablo Escobar, the rise of that, and how the CIA fomented that whole thing, and he plays this American pilot that the CIA goes and has them. He has them transporting stuff back and forth. Oh, okay. And he, he plays Tom Cruise's brother-in-law. Gotcha. And he's super creepy in that as well. Um, and he's super creepy in Get Out, and this he was not creepy in. Still a good performance, but three really big things. And he was also in the Florida Project, which I know got some nominations for some things or was yeah. expected to get more nominations than it did. Yep. Yeah, Willem Dafoe is up for that. Yes. But I know some people were expecting that it would be nominated for other stuff as well, and it didn't. Hmm. Um, but yeah, he was in four like really big movies this year. <laughs> as yeah. well as like, Twin Peaks, uh, the, the revival of that. Good, good for him. Yeah, for him. Um, and his character is great in this. Like I, you, I kind of enjoy his character. Yeah, no, I, I did too. Because he was, it's funny. He had that whole like sophisticated, maybe the only person in the area who went to a legit like big time college, like you know, like educated, like well spoken. Like you expected him to be on the side of authority, and instead he sticks his middle finger up to the establishment and is like. Nah, there's some fucked up shit going on, and her money's as good as anyone's. Like, right. we're we're gonna do this. Like, yeah. Well, I, I you know what it is. All of that is good, right? And all of that it makes him compelling as a character, and it's great. But the there's one the one scene, and this is what I was talking about with the orange juice before. The one scene that like 
it completely establishes it. Like this is he is the sole good force here. Is yes. when he gives he gives Sam Rockwell the orange juice. Yes, and it's it's like it hurts <laughs> because you like in a way like you want him to just leave the room. You want him to punch him in the face. You want him to do all of these terrible things, but he gives him orange juice. He could have walked over and said, "Hey, you want this orange juice?" and then dumped it on him, and you would have applauded. Right. But uh, as he gives it to him, you're like, I know that's the the good thing to do. <laughs> and, you know, it's one of those, like, fuck, that was badass, how good of a thing you just did, and I don't know if I could do that. Right. Something as simple as just giving another human being oranges. Right. But is that human being, after what he's done to you, like... Which, to, the way they did that, though, right, where he when he finally realizes who it is, he's not... It's weird because he doesn't seem that he's angry. He seems that he's scared. Yeah. He has got like, he, you know, like, like he's like shook and and he's like, this guy, this guy threw me out a window. Yep. But uh, he's hurt. So let me, let me give him some orange juice. Well, the funny thing is like his first, (laughs) his first reaction was the human reaction. Like he steps away and he's like, yeah. But then he realizes that fuck as bad as it's been for me. It's worse for you, man. Right. And it's funny, it's like the pity that he takes on him eventually takes, a, I, I guess to a degree, takes some toll on on Sam Rock, on Dixon. Yeah. But he's well, always... It's kind of like the final nail in the coffin of wow, what a piece of shit you've been your entire right. life. Right. But like that... That's the that's the last time we see him in the movie, right? Is when he, as, is after he puts the orange juice down, he kind of looks away from him. That's the last time we see Red. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And that's like, it's it's cool because like, that's a, this character seems good. Oh, is he just trying to make a buck? No, he's kind of good. And then like, you get this scene, you're like, Let, let's put the, let's close the book on this. He's the best. <laughs> and then. Yeah, he was the only person who was really unquestionably good start to finish. Right. And then they just, they just take him off screen and, and that's it for him. Really? It was curious some really of the that. comings and goings of the characters in this movie when you talk about Peter Dinklage's character or Red Welby or Sheriff Willoughby, all like the kind of the way they each enter and then leave this movie. I found kind of curious as like a pat markage of passage of time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I, I don't know what other part to the story he would have played. Like that was the right place for him to go, and like. Unlike with Peter Dinklage, I, I thought that Red Welby was used to the perfect extent in right. this movie that he could have been used. I agree. Not too much, not too little. We got the bit of the character we needed to see, and he accomplished his mission start to finish, and like that was it. Like, that was perfect and succinctly done. Like Yeah, I agree. Very And, very, and just very well done. So... There, there are some controversies around this movie, and I want to get your take on that. Okay. Do you want to? Are you, are you ready to jump into that, or do you have other sure. things you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I have a couple other little notes, but we can sprinkle them or do a wrap sure. up at the end. Let's get to the to the heart of the matter. All right, let's do it. What do you got? I'm curious as to. I, I want to hear your takes on the controversy. Oh, sorry, because the way you let it in, I thought you were going to introduce. No, no. Gonna... I, I just want to hear them. The thing is, I've. Here's I'll give, I, here's the reason why I want you to to introduce them. So I've been reading about them, 
and I don't know where you stand or what if or if it's the same thing that you're concerned with. So, and I didn't see them that way. So I'm curious where where you are and what controversies you've noticed. And if they don't match up with what I found, I'll I'll bring mine in. Okay. Well, it, there's so many different ways to tackle this. It's because it's like this huge spider web that's the center of this movie that reaches out and will lead different branches and it's like it, it every bit of it touches every fiber of this movie um cause I mean so the two uh, the two notes I had at the top of my page here were about Sam Rockwell and Francis McDormand okay. and Sam Rockwell plays the consummate sleaze in this movie like that's his best role in yep. life and yep. he played it to a T in this movie and it, he he's great at playing the character you'd love to hate Francis McDormand is a freaking force of nature in this movie. And from the beginning, those two are set up as our ends of the spectrum. We're supposed to sympathize with her because she's grieving yep. the worst possible thing that could happen in her life. Sam Rockwell is a violent, racist, and asshole. Right. We're supposed to hate him. And when the movie ends... We have grown, in spite of our better natures, probably to be rooting for him because he's found redemption to some extent. Whether he's fully redeemed himself, partially, I, everyone's scale is going to be different. And on the other hand, the person who you would think would be the inalienable person we're rooting for, Mildred, has done some really fucked up things since we've seen her first enter the screen. Mm-hmm. I mean, she firebombed the police station, which, no matter how mad she was at what was going on, like, unless she thought that the cop who was in the building was the one who personally raped and killed her daughter, it's really fucking hard to justify lobbing models of cocktails at a building on Main Street, especially a building on Main Street that's the police department, especially knowing that there was someone alive inside of the building. Right. So... Just setting that table is almost exhausting in its own right, just there. And I don't know if I'm equipped or anyone... I don't know if anyone is equipped to really talk about those things and get it all right. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. I will say... Okay, so that that makes... I hear what you do. I don't want to just monologue for the next 15 minutes. So it's going to be hard to figure out where we want to take a break. Well, this is good. what parts we want to get into. This is good because the, the main thing that I've been reading up on and that I've been hearing a lot about is the, is Dixon's redemption and like yeah. that he was redeemed to now here's, and I guess this is this, I'm glad that you said that. Cause this is, I think this is, but been what my problem is with all this, these controversies. I did not feel that he was redeemed. Okay. And that seems to be like the, the, the thing that everyone is pulling on is like, like why, like why was he so easily redeemed? And like he's an asshole, and we we were too forgiving of him. And, and like I, I don't think that I am forgiving him. I I I never I did not feel that way by the end of the movie. I just went, oh yeah, oh good, you finally realized you're an asshole. Yeah. So if that's the way that you perceive this, then I, insofar as I am qualified to say it, I think you're in the right. The problem is there's a lot of people who just went to, oh, he's a good guy now. Okay. Like he saw the error in his ways and 
has moved on, and he has seen the error of his ways and is trying to improve himself. And is he a better person when the movie ends than he was when the movie began? Yeah, probably. Because he's finally figured out what being a cop and being a person is supposed to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's kind of what I like about it, though. So, like like I said, I, I didn't feel that he was redeemed, like I mentioned. So, you get... And it's like you said. You have these two ends of the spectrum. And this movie is this is this super tense thing that's happening. And she's getting worse. And he's not getting better. But, like, there... No, he is getting better. There's a difference between saying okay. So, okay, that you're he right. set himself on a path of redemption... There's a difference between saying that and saying that he redeemed okay, himself. Okay, fair. So, but there, he's not redeemed himself. He is still a bad person, but he's finally trying to put check marks in the right side of the ledger. Okay, that's that's fair. So, like, they're they're kind of they're moving towards each other, right? Because she's starting to do things that are not so great, and he's he's starting to turn certain things around in his life, and then they they meet, and the movie ends, and that's what I love about it. Yeah, I would agree that I did like that part about it. But even in there, if someone wants to say that, that he's redeemed himself, he's possibly planning to murder someone. Now, but, admittedly, that right. person's really bad and is not going to get see the justice that he deserves to see because that person deserves to rot in hell. But doesn't necessarily mean he deserves vigilante murder justice. Right, And here, but here's what, I, here's what I get out of this, though. You're you. I love that they don't tell you what happens. That's I'm. I've always been a fan of things like that. And I like an open-ended thing like that where I don't feel like it, like there's 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 obviously exceptions where it's like there's there's times where it's done and it feels like the director or the writer didn't know what to do, so they left it open. And then there's times like this where it feels very intentional because this is. I feel like it sparks a conversation because you're. It's it's almost as a. You're you become the two characters in the car at the end of the movie. What do you do next? And like, it, that that could open up an interesting conversation, right? And yes. if if they, <clears throat> the thing is, if this could be like they're going to they're they're on they're in the car right now. Obviously, you know the goal is to murder somebody. Yep. In the car, they recognize that they don't know if this is the right thing. And the and the credits roll, and yep. it's super intense, and it's like. That's and I guess that's what's really bothering me about this is that there's article after article after article about this controversy of his redemption, and again, I guess we 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 covered that already. Like I don't feel that he was redeemed, so maybe I'm on the other side of this, which is fine. But it it's taking away from something that was really interesting by the end of that movie. Well, there's a couple things to unpack there. It's you're right in saying that it was intentional and that part of it is like you said to kind of spark conversation as to well what would you do in that situation but it also works i think from a structural standpoint where this isn't really a start to finish story like this isn't a tradition like the structure of this movie is not a traditional act one act two act three no it's a snapshot of a period of time in someone's life, or if you want to say a segment that you've sliced out of it, because we're dropped into the middle of what's going on. And we see what happens from there up into another point. 
that this wasn't a self-contained story. It's very much informed. It's almost like a middle movie in a trilogy. No, yeah, it's it's an it it's is informed by what comes before and right. the things that are going to come next are important as well. But they're not so important for us to understand what's going on, or they're maybe not even the most important thing that's going on. What's important is what has been happening in this period of time. I agree. But I, I just want to uh, touch on something there. You you hit the nail on the head. It doesn't. It's not like the traditional act one, act two, act three. This this whole movie is act two, and that's yes. it. And that's that's cool to me. I and like we that. <laughs> we don't need act three. Right. That's not the point. Though either the bookends are not the point. It's the middle. <laughs> That's a pretty rare thing. I've, I've seen other stories, like movies, stuff like that, where you have that kind of snapshot in the middle, and I've been dissatisfied with it because I, I feel like I didn't know what was going on and that I wanted to know what came before and right. want to happen, know what happens next. But I, I don't care in this case. Like, I don't care if they kill him at the end of this. It, it's not important to me. The answer to that question is not important. It's, it's one of those, like... Um, tells them that, well, that, that paradox um, where you don't know if the thing is true or not true until you open the box. Both Schrodinger's are, cat? <laughs> yeah, Schrodinger's cat, that's it. Um, it doesn't matter. He is both having been killed by them in Vigilante Justice or having not been killed by them at the same time. And we won't know which one's true until they tell us which one is true. They're both true. And they both can be and for each individual person to say, oh yeah, I totally want them to kill him and here's why. Or... I hope they don't kill him, and here's why. Both of them are valid to me, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care. That's not what was interesting to me. What was interesting to me is what went down in this movie. Right. It's, yeah. It, it's but, it, it, it. I I love. I just I love a movie that ends like that. And you know, what, you know what bothers me though, when a movie like ends like that, I, I go wow, like how good is that. And then I know, like, and then I get this rush of a feeling of, oh, there's going to be a few people that I can talk to about this because most people that I talk to that watch movies hate when something like that happens. So the exception being you and Kim. <laughs> well, I, I, sometimes I do hate it, but sure. it fit this movie. But, uh, right. Sometimes I, sometimes you hate it. And sometimes that's a valid, that's like, that's valid, but I feel like you have to take each case separately. Like, it's not always a bad thing if it's open-ended. Like, there's, there can be a point. There's a point to this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, honestly, I may be rehashing stuff because I kind of forgot a little bit what we caught. You guys probably caught a little bit. We got, we had some technical difficulties <laughs> a couple of minutes ago. Uh, I kind of signed off for like half an hour because my computer decided it was going to do updates. Uh, so I, I don't remember 100% what I was discussing, but back to circling back to what we were talking about with controversy um, and perception of this movie and perception of a redemption arc or not a redemption arc. I think what it comes down to is there are people who didn't see this as redemption. There are people who did see it as redemption. There were people who assumed people saw this as redemption. There's people who assumed that people saw this as not redemption. And as with any work of art, it's on the audience to suss out what the intent of the artist was. 
Uh-huh. Whether the artist tells us or doesn't tell us explicitly, because sometimes artists are assholes, and sometimes they're not. And I know I must have read at some point or other what Martin McDonough said about all of this, and I don't really recall because he said a lot about it. I have the quote. <laughs> okay. Uh, his quote uh, around the like around this like redemption thing. He uh, paraphrasing the first part of it. He's saying it's not the character is not redeemed. And then this is the actual quote is it's supposed to be a deliberately messy and difficult film because it's a messy and difficult world. And I love that. (laughs) And the problem is, you know, we could take them at face value. And I I think that's the right way to read this. I think that's what both of us are saying. Yeah. And a lot of people weren't doing that on both sides of this argument. Sure. Uh, Which I can understand too, because it's complicated. And sometimes when things are complicated, our emotions get in the way of our ability to, properly identify these things fair and also even though he's giving us a quote and telling you what to think sometimes directors and authors or whatever they lie right (laughs) or they're wrong and they just don't realize what they've done you know i mean they don't realize what the final product looks like even though they edited it down to what they wanted it to look like or didn't want or whatever but they see the final product and they can't know all the things that are kind of come out of all of this but you know, Han Solo shot first, and then George Lucas later told us he didn't. So, right. like, sometimes the author or the artist, they lie to you. And I don't think that's the case here, but some people are going to say, oh, he's just doing that to cover himself because people are getting mad. And I can understand that, too, because we're all cynical now. It's, yeah. it's the yeah. world we live in. But I can understand that there is controversy here, and I can understand why. And I think it's valid for people to be feeling a certain way. You shouldn't come out of this feeling sunshine and roses. No. You should feel a little different after you've seen this movie than you did before. I agree. I agree. You should be mad about the things that they were talking about or about the, mad, the way the things went down. You could be mad that the racist cop seems like he's riding off into the sunset. Or you can get mad that this woman decides she's going to take justice into her own hands rather than pursue it legally. You can be mad about rape. You can be mad about murder. You can be mad that this movie existed. You can be mad that you saw the movie. I mean, (laughs) you can be mad at anything and everything in this movie, and you can love anything and everything in this movie. It should have made you feel something, you know? Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Well, it's just, it's so well done. I really, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Like, it's... And it's not perfect. Like, this movie, even though it's very good, it's not perfect. There are sure. some clunky things in this. Like, Actually. Some of this shit in this movie is weird. There's a scene where she gets out of bed and she puts on slippers and she's just talking to the slippers. That was weird. That I was wanted weird. that scene to end a lot faster than it did. Yeah, and like, the scene last... It's funny because I vividly remember that and I don't have a note about it. But <laughs> just you bring I it up. I have slippers here. Like, and it was like... It probably was about like... 10 seconds, but for whatever reason felt like it an eternity. <laughs> oh. Oh, she's crazy now. <laughs> I get it. And the same thing when she's talking to the deer. Like, that scene probably went on longer than me, too. Like, there are some weird things in this. There are a few other things, too, that were weird that I'm just not recalling that well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, mean, I, I, there's, I mean, there's a couple... I'm going to say plot holes, but the stuff that's just like, that's not, that part isn't great writing. But the thing is, there's a lot of other things around it that are great writing. So, I mean, no one's perfect. Nothing's perfect. Like, 
editing happens too, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the music was a bit much at times. Like, there was times where, like, there was these, like, crescendoing things that are going on, and it's like, dude, tone it down. That is way too intense for, like, someone brooding and looking out the window right now. I don't, you know, I don't really recall that. I'll have to go back and I, watch. It's funny, like, through most of the, the first part of the movie, I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of dig the music in this. It seems like it would be a good fit. And I was, but it just kind of, like, spiked high a bit at times. It's just like, this is a little melodramatic now, isn't it? Like, guys, like, we, we probably turn it down a little bit. Yeah, I actually don't. It's funny. I don't remember for whatever reason the music doesn't stick out to me. I have to. I'd have to go back and watch. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't remember because it's been a little while. Like, I don't remember specific yeah. times. I just remember a couple times. I'm like that. that just mm, t- t- take it back a notch, guys. Um, uh, we. I feel like we we haven't given Frances McDormand enough. Like we've said, like oh she's a new. We don't really talk about that specifically. Like she fucking kills it in this movie. Yeah. She's. Like it, it's funny, like I, it's I feel like it's what they're going for. You're you're watching the movie, you're watching this character on screen the whole time, and when somebody's in her path, you're like, hoo, 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 glad it's not me. <laughs> she's a freaking force of nature. She does what she is going to do, and damn the consequences, and damn you. Like right. she's not give a fuck. She is going to do what she thinks is necessary, or what she thinks she should do or just fuck whatever she wants to do you know what i mean right. like yeah like there's like a difference between like i don't care what happens if i do this and then like you see it in her eyes oh no no she doesn't care what happens if she does this <laughs> and it's unsettling <laughs> it's not she doesn't care what happens it's she wants to do this fuck you <laughs> <laughs> so true but she she kills it. I feel like she'll most likely take home the Oscar for this one. She should. I mean, I haven't seen all the other things, so maybe, I mean, there might be someone else who measures up as just as deserving. I, I don't know. Uh, I am uninformed on some of that in, in this cycle. Um, sure. Some years I've done better than others. I, I've seen four. I, I would like to see have seen five or six of them. Right. Um, there was one year that I saw, like, seven or eight of them. Um, but... It, I mean, as much as it was great just seeing her, you know, the scene where she goes to school and she kicks the two kids in the dick and then she kicks oh my God, the girl between the legs that. as well, and it's just like, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really, you know what's, here's another scene we didn't talk about, it's, and this is a good one. She, she's in the station with Willoughby, and they're they're having a back and forth. And, you know, there's there's frustration and there's tension and he coughs blood on her. And it immediately de-escalates the situation. Which, it should have probably escalated the situation. No, but it, but you, like, I feel like that was, like, one of those things where, like, the, where, like, where, just, just, just to recap, we're saying these are good people. Like, in, 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 a, in a way, right? And it was just, it, it was a pretty cool scene, and the way that that went down, like because it like it stops it, and she's like, "I know, I know, like I'm so sorry, like and I understand like what you're going through." Well, you know what it was is like I said, she's a force of nature this whole time. That was one of the few scenes where it circled back and was like, "No, no, no, this is a human being." Right. Um, she's harsh, and you probably shouldn't like her. I mean, you may be rooting for her for a lot of this movie. You may sympathize with her, but. You may you may laugh at her when she's flipping off and cursing at the news lady as she's reporting outside by the billboards. But she is distinctly unlikable. We understand why she's unlikable. Right. 
we wish that we liked her because she's representing a cause that that we can get behind of you know maternal grief you know but she's an unlikable person and eventually we realize she's a probably a bad person like i said mm. yeah firebombing the police station is not something that a good person does yeah you know if you can say it's under the auspices of essentially at this point you know mental illness you know if you want to say like ptsd or whatever intense depression whatever it, what that is not what a good person does right mm-hmm. but we understand why she's doing it right um and i thought she captured the human side of all of this really well i mean the couple of times that she kind of breaks down it's like we see her put this tough hard as nails like like exterior for most of the movie and then no this is a this is a mother who's lost everything basically yeah and she feels like it's her fault yep and that's dark. it's really heartbreaking dark. yeah uh, what a i think it's like without without quite like i'm sometimes i i see these movies uh towards this time of the year and i'm like why was that up like i like gravity um but <laughs> And then I see a movie like this, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, 100%, without question, to me, should be nominated. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, um, it was good, and I think she'll take it home, and Sam Rockwell's going to take, take it home for a supporting actor. I don't know who would take it over him, you know? Uh, let's see, let me take a quick look at who's got supporting. Willem Dafoe, Woody Harrelson, Richard Jenkins, Christopher Plummer, and Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Yeah, um, I would give it to Sam Rockwell over Woody Harrelson. Yeah, that. I mean he outshines him in this movie. Yeah, um, I would give it to him over Richard Jenkins because I saw Shape of Water. Uh, I didn't see the Florida Project or All the Money in the World, so I can't speak to Willem Dafoe or Christopher Plummer. So, if it's Christopher Plummer who wins it, then it's purely a political choice, right? For him re- replacing Spacey in that movie, <laughs> right? Well, we'll see what happens. Um, which admittedly wouldn't be that surprising because the Academy loves to pat itself on the back. <laughs> Do you have any other any other billboard notes? The only other thing I had here was um, that Dixon discovers that he's a good cop eventually. Like the, his whole plan with getting the guy to attack him to to get you know DNA evidence. Yeah, that was good, clever detective work, but. That is also central to the, you know, it's it's kind of an offshoot of what, I guess, what we were talking about with the controversy surrounding, surrounding his redemption. Just a letter from, like, like the, the guy is in his 40s or whatever, like, and the letter from his close friend, the dead captain. His, telling him well, his dead father there. figure. Kind of his father figure, even though, like, they're... Is Seth Rockwell older than Woody Harrelson? I don't know. <laughs> he might be older than him. I don't. I don't think so. Let's see if I, let me see if I can pull that up while you while you go on. Um, I I mean, it was kind of a nice feel good moment, but the idea that just that letter from him makes him become a good person and become a good cop, it's problematic. Like that's it's not that, that's not strong. If people want to complain about that, that's not strong writing, really. And that's that's reason to be irritated. Yeah. Uh, Woody Harrelson was born in 61. Sam Rockwell was born in 68. 
Uh, Woody Harrelson's a little older than I thought, too. Yeah. Yeah. But still, his father figure is seven years older than me. Right. <laughs> right. It's like uh, in Semi-Pro, when uh, the Andy Richter character says, like, you know, to Will, about Will Ferrell's character, like, you've always been, a, like, uh, like, a father to me, and he's one year older than him. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Cool. Um, that was a good one. You got anything else? Not really. The episode probably going another half hour if we talk about anything else. So. <laughs> right. Well, cool. Well, uh, that's it then for this week. Uh, next week you can tune in to check out. Uh, the goal is to do Black Panther if we can uh, get to it this weekend before our next recording session. If not, the big sick is on deck, so you can look forward to one of those two coming in hot next week. <laughs> Uh, Well, that's it for this week's Flicks on the Six. Until next time, cheers.